Hello, BitMartians and everybody out there in crypto land. This is Nathan with BitMart, and I'm joined by my colleague, Matt Ryan, again for another episode of BitMart Bytes. Matt, I think we're going to be calling this one Triple Threat, Triple Threat, because it's the third episode, and it's where we break down some of the news headlines that we've seen, collected, and not had the chance to commentate on in our respective podcasts, Matt, NFT 101, and me, Crypto Conversations. So Matt, what do you think about that triple threat? Isn't that kind of a wrestling thing? It, it is. The, the triple threat was a stable <laughs> in ECW, baby. Throw them up. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I, anytime I get to talk with you about some of the more interesting stories we cover on DCW and NFN, the little shorthands we have here at BitMart Forum. Uh, but I like having these conversations and it's a fun way to kick off your Friday with some BitMart bites. And let's get into our first story, Nathan. What do you have for us? Well, right before we get into our first story, Matt, I just wanted to say that our first episode of BitMart Bytes is actually one of our most watched videos ever. So you know what that tells really? me? That tells me, Matt, that you are on your way to becoming a minor celebrity in the crypto community, <laughs> which is so great because you're a neophyte to this. You're a recent convert. You barely, you know, you self-admittedly say you just don't know what you're talking about most of the time. But the fans have spoken. That's not true. And I only hope that when I enter the wrestling community, I get pile driven into a board or something like that. Oh, you, you know? don't want that. No, no. But uh, <laughs> no, you know, the yeah. there, there are not a lot of good expressions that I have a grasp of when it comes to wrestling. But well, we'll induct you. We'll, we'll induct you into the fraternity. Um, yeah, it's been weird seeing some of the comments and reactions to what we've been doing here on BitMart Bites. We have fans, which is weird, and and a shout out to all of our fans, and shout out to Father Elijah on the Discord. Nathan, you and him have become fast friends, and it seems like a lot of people just enjoy your face and enjoy my voice. Yeah, I've become fast friends with Father Elijah. He's uh, over there in Cameroon holding up the fort. Maybe I can go visit him one day. I don't know. It's a little bit more than a hop, skip, and a jump away. But yes, we do have fans. I've even heard that we have some crushes. Some people have crushes on us. So that, that was not expected when I started this series. But hey, we're happy to have you. And we're going to get into our first story here, Matt. I'm going to kick it off. So on Monday... I think the most prominent story that came on Monday, which was August 1st, was that the Bitcoin Valley opened in the Honduras town of Santa Lucia. And Matt, in case you're unaware, um, Bitcoin is kind of taking over the world, but it's also only legal tender in two countries in the world. One of them is El Salvador, and the other one is the Central African Republic. Other than that, it's hard to go places and economically use Bitcoin. So this is kind of another this is kind of another win in the Bitcoin category where they've got a special economic zone in a Honduras town, not the entire country, where they're encouraging businesses to use Bitcoin. You can use Bitcoin as legal tender. There's special tax treatments. And it's almost like when I read the article, it almost seems like there's kind of like a festival like atmosphere to it. So in my mind, this is very, very good news. What do you think? I think it's a good test case in a country that could really utilize a currency like Bitcoin, can really utilize any economic growth uh, as humanly possible. Uh, I'm a fan of experiments like this if there's a safety net and because you don't want people who were drawn into an experiment 
to not have some semblance of a control available to them because at that point you're just treating human beings like lab rats. But there, this is a great use case for having Bitcoin or crypto as the native currency to a country. It'll be interesting to see how this works. And I think you're going to have to wait maybe a year, you think, before we see any tangible results. Because what do you think the 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 rate of return will be on people utilizing crypto or Bitcoin in multiple purchases until it gets to the point where it's assimilated as the day-to-day currency? Well, yeah, and that's always the operative question is because this fight has been going on since Bitcoin was invented. Is Bitcoin a currency? Is it a reserve asset? Is it something else? And now, now that you have the Lightning Network, which you may not be aware of, Matt, but it is a huge innovation in the Bitcoin space, you actually can like pay for a cup of coffee, do microtransactions over the Lightning Network. There's almost zero fees. They're at the Satoshi level, which is it's it's smaller than pennies at that point. And so that's kind of why these things are starting to happen. But we will we'll definitely have to see probably a year or so. I know that El Salvador, you know, they have it as legal tender and they've only recently kind of gotten their finances under control to where they've backed it up with other stuff just in case there's like uh, it, the value continues to go down or adoption doesn't doesn't increase as much as they want to. So it's interesting because this isn't open to all of Honduras. It's only open to this one little tiny place, Santa Lucia. And I'm not sure why they picked that place, but I guess in my mind, I hope all goes well. And if the trends of Bitcoin adoption and the belief in Bitcoin continues around the world like it has been in a positive trend all these years, I think it will end up being more positive than negative. It's fair. And as speaking of positives, positives in the music industry, Nathan, oh. as we have a new type of album listing on the charts in the United Kingdom and in Australia, and that is NFT albums. That's right. A major band is selling their latest album as an NFT. This is the biggest band to do that so far. We've seen individual music in the past, but this is a full album being listed as an NFT. And it's Muse, their seventh album coming out in just a few months. There is a first album title to be added in this way since Streams seven years ago, Nathan. Now, huh. I'm not going to ask you about your favorite Muse song, but what do you think this means for nft music we've seen a lot of record labels and people in music such as pharrell williams get knee deep into nfts but is this the next step like we saw the christopher wallace nft a couple of weeks ago we're seeing a lot more music nfts but this as an album buying these nfts as an album and being able to sell them secondarily this seems way this seems like Napster mixed with the iTunes store with these other different variables involved in terms of use cases. I feel like we're getting to the point to where music might be more democratized than ever. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you did not ask me my favorite Muse song because I was trying to think of when the last time I listened to Muse. I know that they were super popular when I was in high school, and I don't want to date myself, but that was quite a while ago at this point. So (laughs) I know that they're a British band, and I feel like I have a tune of theirs in my head, but I will say this. Music NFTs are, to make a pun, music to my ears. Muse is not the first band to do this. I want to say that Kings of Leon 
was actually the first band to officially like have their album as an NFT. But it's a super interesting concept because as we've discussed a lot of times, Matt, when when you're talking about like the true utility, the true value of non-fungible tokens, what is more non-fungible than a unique piece of art? And that could be music, it could be painting, it could be ceramics, whatever. I'm interested, and maybe you'd know a little bit more about this, is the NFT album that like one person, like the fans are gonna, like there's gonna be one person that's gonna own this album, so Muse isn't gonna own it, or people are gonna be able to download it as an NFT. I, I think, think it's gonna be downloaded as an NFT, and I do believe there's fractal, uh, fractal ownership in some form or fashion. Ah. Along with it, if you wanna read more about this story, you can head down into the show notes and to do a bit of a BitMart Byte fact check, because facts do matter here on BitMart Byte. You <laughs> are correct, the Kings of Leon were the first band to do an album as an NFT. That's going back to March of last year. So this is the biggest band to, this sure. is the second biggest band to do so. Oh, yeah. And this is what's driving that change in the charts. But I'm excited to see what happens. I'm waiting for the Weird Al NFT personally. Oh gosh, yes. How has he not done NFTs yet? Weird Al is perfect for NFTs. They are made for him. Well, well, he's focusing on his movie that's coming out soon. I'm actually going to be seeing him in the city at the Beacon Theater um, coming up this fall. I am very, very excited for this. I'll tell you what, the first Weird Al album I ever listened to, I got it for Christmas one year. I must have been an early teenager. Uh, it was Running With Scissors. Now, and I got the exact same album, wow. 1999. That's probably I when I got it. Yeah. 10 years old. <laughs> And I got that and a CD player for Christmas. Whoa. And I listened to Albuquerque like 93,000 times. Did we just become best friends? I, I was just about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Guys, you just never know what's going to happen live here on Bitmark Bites. Me and my cousins. I was at my cousin's house in North Carolina. Shout out to Corey. He actually moved back to North Carolina. Um, I We listened to Albuquerque uh, probably not 9,000 times, but easily, literally 12 to 15 times. And we were laughing the entire time because we had just never, ever heard anything like that in our lives. And I'm so glad that that album was my first introduction to Weird Al because it would be like your first rock album being Nirvana's Nevermind or something like that. It's just quality <laughs> from the first track to the last. So Weird Al, I'm looking straight into the camera. Do NFTs, buddy, okay? I will support you. You'll make a bunch of money. I know that you can put it to a good cause, whatever that may be. I, I agree. And Running with Scissors was not the first time I've heard of Weird Al, but I was a Weird Al fan. That was the first album I ever owned by Weird Al. The second CD I ever owned. The first one, that's right, you guessed it, Hellbilly Deluxe by Rob Zombie in the fourth <laughs> grade. Uh, thank you, my uncle, for giving that to me before he moved. That is, most, uh, that is an uncle thing to do, but that let's, is. That let's is. move on here. We've got another one. Uh, speaking of uncles, let's talk about some crime. Uh, cyber criminals are plagiarizing LinkedIn <laughs> profiles. Nathan, what's what's happening? Are, are you, you know, plagiarizing? You know no, I'm I'm not that I know of, but I think that that's how they get you, right? That's how they get you is they convince you that you're not a double agent. Well, I don't you got, know. if you're a cop, you got to tell me you're a cop. Like that's Whoa. you know corner rules. Uh, I don't see a badge anywhere, and I my coffee did not come with any donuts, so I'm just I'm probably a civilian at this point. But 
You know, other than other than all uncles not being into Rob Zombie or committing crimes, um, LinkedIn is having this terrible problem, apparently, where cyber criminals are going on LinkedIn, uh, creating amazingly fake profiles. And by amazingly fake, I mean they look like real profiles, not that they look terribly fake, applying to crypto jobs at crypto exchanges, analytics firms, et cetera, getting hired remotely, doing the actual work or doing minimum amounts of work, getting paid for it, and then reporting that info back to various hacking groups, cybercrime groups, and other things so that they can have inside information about how to hack these companies. Now, this article specifically talks about the hacking groups in North Korea. One of them mentioned is Lazarus, but it's not a North Korean-specific phenomena. They also mention that this is happening out of uh, Russia, I believe, Eastern Europe, and just various places in the world. So it actually is kind of making it hard to get a job in crypto right now via LinkedIn because recruiters and the companies themselves are having to deal with these very real fake cyber criminals trying to get hired and uh, and do stuff remotely. What do you think about that, Matt? I think that the the job hunt for most people uh, coming out of college is going to be a lot harder. Um, if anybody sees someone named Matteo Raitan, that is not me. If they, <laughs> if they that is my non-union uh, doppelganger equivalent. Uh, that is not us. We that is not me. Uh, I I have a mustache, but I don't have just a mustache. Uh, there's a frightening image of me on the internet with just a mustache. I look like a young Mike Francesa, and it bothers me greatly. I think that you should have a handlebar mustache, personally, but that's just my opinion. Okay, my face is too wide. Like I can't. It doesn't. It doesn't look imposing. Like if I just have okay, mustache, it, it it makes me look like I belong in Williamsburg somewhere. We're going to be talking about in a few minutes. Oh, talking we're going to get to Williamsburg. Technology. In oh. Williamsburg, you could dress up in colonial clothing and have mutton shops too. Not, but we'll get that, to that not, later. Not, not that. Not that Williamsburg. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> NVM. Okay. Well, one of the one the thing we're going to be talking about in the other Williamsburg would make the the Williamsburg you're thinking of a lot more entertaining. But we <laughs> can move on to our next story. Too many Williamsburgs. Too many Williamsburgs. That's actually the name of my new book. Uh, <laughs> too many Williamsburgs. Uh, all that's weird. That's an, <laughs> that's the name of my new spoken spoken word poetry album. <laughs> Just zing, zing, zing on this show. We got to get to this next headline, though, Matt. We have a there's a there's a fighter NFTs supporting Ukraine. You know more about this. So Alexander Usyk is currently the unified world heavyweight champion. He is not an undisputed world heavyweight champion because boxing is as political as the Congress, and they just don't give the fans what they want. Wow. Um, Usyk beat. Anthony Joshua from the UK uh, in late 2021 to win the titles. They were supposed to fight in April, but because of the Ukraine conflict, the invasion of Ukraine, uh, Usyk alongside Vitaly Klitschko and his brother Vladimir and also Vasil Lomachenko, all four of them world champion boxers, Usyk and Lomachenko, the most recent, the whole titles as the Klitschkos retired, one of them acting as a mayor, in uh, Ukraine, I believe in the capital of the Ukraine. And he has returned to camp. He is fighting uh, next weekend, uh, uh, pardon me, August 20th, I believe, uh, in Dubai against Joshua. And Joshua has faced off, this is the second time he has to fight 
to get his titles back. He lost against Andy Ruiz Jr. in Madison Square Garden. Actually, behind me is the fight card from that night. I was actually at that fight. And you have Usyk looking to support his new foundation, which are trying to help displaced Ukrainian families and Ukrainian children. He is raising, hopefully, around 1.6 million USD for his Alexander Usyk Foundation through NFTs. He has partnered with an NFT platform and an NFT artist. You can find the information about it on in the show notes and also in the show notes for the non-fungible news. But Usyk is looking to give back to his home country. He is looking to utilize NFTs for good. Unsure if there's any utility to them as of yet, but right now they are a solid art project with with a benefit going to charity. A big step by the World Heavyweight Champion to try and get attention to an issue in the midst of a major fight week. And when you're walking into a fight with all of those things on your mind, that might serve Anthony Joshua well, New Camp. I, I know this is not a boxing podcast, but New Camp for Joshua, losing his trainers after the, the fight, the loss to Usyk, uh, because he was not happy with the way they coached him. And now with a new trainer, a new philosophy, a new lease on boxing, looking to become a three-time unified world heavyweight champion, he might be able to do it, but Usyk's got power. He's an amazing fighter. But if he has this in the back of his head, it it is going to be a problem. I'm sorry that I reverted to sports talk, Matt, here, but I'm not sports talk, Matt, here. I'm crypto boy with an eye, Matt, here. <laughs> but uh, this is going to be an interesting fight, and it's an interesting project that if you want to learn more about, you can go into the show notes. Well, you know, I think you say that it may weigh, weigh heavy on his mind and affect him negatively, but in my mind, I'm kind of thinking about like, wow, like he has a lot to fight for, right? And so in some way, he... um he could be more motivated. He has more to lose. He he has like a determined kind of good tunnel vision here. And when I hear that he's using NFTs to raise money to support a cause uh, specifically from his home country, I think about a guest that we've had on Bitmar Brain Trust, uh, Doug Smith, who basically wanted to do the same thing or wants to do the same thing um, with his with his uh, organization, Be My Tree, and. I think that this is going to continually become a thing in the NFT and crypto world. Um, I know that you said that there might not be a lot of utility to these NFTs, but it's it's kind of I think the thought that counts with some people. They 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 want to donate. They were probably going to donate anyways because he's such a celebrity and they believe in what he believes. And the fact they get an NFT is just kind of like a cool like, hey, thanks for thanks for doing this. You know, it's it's certainly better than a letter in the mail or like a or you know, other types of trinkets. It's just kind of the new digital version of that. So I, I, I think it's, it's, you'll see this continually from celebrities, especially since the bad stuff in the world is probably not going to uh, go away overnight. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. It's just going to be interesting to see how this affects Usyk heading into the fight. And if you are able to learn more about this, and if you want to be a part of BitMart and see some of our NFTs, we've got some sports t- NFTs up there. You can go into the show notes and get some of those and be a part of what we're doing here at BitMart. And Nathan, we've got two, three stories down. we got a couple more to go. we got four stories down, actually. What do we have from Wednesday's edition of the Daily Crypto Watch that you want to talk about? Whoa, so Wednesday, this is still pretty fresh because remember, we're recording this on Thursday to come out on Friday. On Wednesday, uh, sometime in the early morning, there was this big hack of the, I shouldn't say hack, but 
Actually, you know what I will say, hack? It was technically an exploit, but it's a, a type of hack where a bunch of Solana wallets were compromised and the hackers were able to extract Solana out of the wallets. It's, it's totaling almost 8,000 wallets at this point. It's still, this is still a developing story. And the, um, the Solana network is run by a, I guess you'd call it a nonprofit. Perhaps it's a company now called the Solana Foundation. And they've said it doesn't have anything to do with the Solana protocol or the network itself, but it's clear that there's something wrong with, with hot wallets is what they call them, online wallets, specifically mobile wallets that are attached to the Solana network that um, they're having Solana pulled out of them, the funds are being drained. And the thing that really, really is just terrible about this is that unlike other hacks where you say, oh, there was a, you know, they got users to do it and there was a user error or it was, you know, something like this. When they analyze the code or when, when they've had people analyze the code, the, this exploit was done by utilizing the Solana network against itself so that the transactions are verified. They're, they're all good to go. So it, it really is kind of using the network against itself. And now you have all these exchanges from Binance to Coinbase to maybe even BitMart has, has said this as well, to, hey, put your Solana on exchanges so that we can keep it in cold storage and it's not touching the network right now. But this is just another tick in the, um, in the Solana box where they're trying to be this huge competitor to Ethereum. They're trying to destroy Ethereum and they just have a lot of problems. So this is, this is kind of the latest thing with it. For me, it comes down to security again. Uh, you you talk about the hot walls versus cold storage, and you take a look at the litany of issues we've seen across the board with Discord, with email phishing, all these different hacks that are going on in NFT and in crypto. These are big warning signs that the major currencies, the major exchanges, the major wallets need to invest in a while we're in a bear market i think it'll alleviate some of the burden if you can tell new customers hey we know you've heard all these things about crypto we've heard you know we heard all these things about nfts we're creating a more secure experience for you from the moment you sign up with us to the moment you put currency inside of us and all points after that if you're not able to completely comfort your customers and create opportunities for them to feel like their money's protected. It goes back to that Jimmy Stewart joke we made a couple of weeks ago on the Brain <laughs> Trust. Yeah. It's in Nathan's house and Kalinchi's <laughs> house and 6969 Lol JK's wallet. Like it, it, it gets <laughs> to the point where I want to trust you. I want to use your service. But when I see things like this popping up in the news, more than the Mets box score, it worries yeah. me greatly. Sure. It, it gets to a point where you say, gosh, if the decentralized systems are so good and crypto is so amazing, then why would I have been better off just putting my money in a savings account where it's covered by the FDIC, you know, even if I don't politically agree with that or whatever your reason for not wanting to do that may be. But this is, this is a, and you know I, I'm okay to say it. I'm not a huge Solana fan. I started out being okay with Solana, but like I said, this year has just been bad for Solana. Maybe we can call them growing pains. Maybe five years from now, this will all be, hey, remember when Solana was like going down all the time? But Solana is just the network goes down. It's very centralized. 
you have this problem come up specifically with mobile wallets. So like that's getting into new users that are just using their phones. I, I don't know. Solana is just going through, I'll call it, I'll be generous to them and say they're going through growing pains and they're really going to have to fix it in order to win people's trust. Speaking about growing up, Matt, you've got a story here that eyes NFTs and, and textbooks. Yes, Pearson, the minds behind some of the textbooks that have cost us a hundreds of hundreds of dollars. Oh, oh gosh. Now looking to go into the NFT market as a way to fight off losses due to the due to used book sales, due to the pandemic, due to shared resources. They've suffered a lot of economic shortfalls, and their CEO, who is the former head of Walt Disney International, is looking to get some big play into the world of NFTs. I personally am, I understand it from a business perspective, but as a former student and someone who understands the the economy around textbooks and their value, um, this to me may do more harm than good in the long run because now you're continuing to make it a bigger burden for people who want to buy textbooks who may not necessarily afford, be able to afford a new textbook or an NFT textbook. Because if anything, everything moves over there, not every college student is going to have a, a wallet. Not every NFT, you know, not every college student is going to be in a position to where they understand the NFT marketplace and how to make those things work. You're going to put a bigger log jam on your industry and on your client base. And um, it goes back to education again. Like this is going to be a long run problem for Pearson and I think the textbook space. Yeah, you know, the only thing I think I can applaud them for, uh, Matt, is finding out a way to put textbooks as NFTs. I guess that that's kind of cool. I'll give you the world's smallest applause here for doing that, Pearson. But uh, unless you want me to go on an hour-long rant about the cost of college, student loans, all the you know misaligned incentives there, and just really, really get me fired up about how you could probably learn better on Coursera or YouTube or out in the world somewhere, I'm just going to look straight into the camera and say, hey, CEO of Pearson, your time is up. You know that you're just trying to do this to make money because nobody buys textbooks anymore. Information wants to be free, and the internet has solved that power to the people. Yeah, it's the inverse of when we were in school and torrenting, uh, which is very illegal, and we're not advocating torrenting. Well, when torrenting was a thing and kind of even the playing field for a lot of college students, but even then those were the kids who understood uh, how those worked and how those processes worked. I mean, my whole thing is this. It's like I get why we might have to update science textbooks every single year. Um, that's a, That could be a legitimate expense. New information comes out. Certainly if you're using a computer science textbook or something like that, stuff that's rapidly evolving information. But let's like, I'm not going to beat around the bush here and pretend like Pearson or these textbook companies, every time they do a reissue of a book, it's suddenly worth $75 more. I knew that this was a scam when I was in college and I wasn't very bright in college. And I certainly know that it is a scam now. So Pearson, I don't know, maybe you should figure out a way to either lower the cost of your textbooks with renewable sources, recycled materials, digital, something like that. Uh, but your time is up. It's, hey, you had a good 7,500-year run. Or, hey, 
you could just publish like other books, like novels, things like that, stuff that, you know, actually has value to it. I just have no love for any of these textbook companies and I have no problem hiding it. Um, but once again, world's smallest applause on making it an NFT. <laughs> um, so yeah, not to be too, ne not to be too negative there. I just don't have enough bad things to say about this. Um, no, it's, it's completely fair. This is what this show is about. It's about our opinions. And yet again, uh, just to, we'll have the disclaimer at the end, but these are our opinions. They're not Bitmart's opinions. They're not our, our, our boss's opinions. These are just entirely the opinions of two people talking on the internet. <laughs> as, as, as we do. Um, and to kind of get away from that black cloud that I just sowed over our conversation, we actually have a really, really cool thing that has come up. And this yeah. is this is a Web3 Airbnb competitor. It's not even out on the market yet. And this is something that I definitely want to talk about. It is a app called D-Travel, and it allows people to rent short-term or long-term properties using crypto, specifically using the smart chains and smart contracts. It's called D-Travel, and it's by this company called Traveler, I believe. And the reason why they're in the news today is they've been having a lot of problems developing this app, and they just couldn't get it right, and they couldn't get it right because they really want it to be like an Airbnb experience, but in a decentralized way and using crypto. And they finally have done their first vacation rental booking that has gone successful and gotten feedback on it, and they are working to have this out in public I want to say two months from now. And this to me is extremely interesting because I don't know if you've checked lately, Matt, Airbnb does not seem to have a lot of competitors and you cannot pay with crypto on Airbnb. So this, this will just be something I will look out for. Yeah, it, it is an interesting proposition. Um, not a big – I'm a big fan of the Airbnb idea. I'm a fan of this being implemented into the NFT space a lot. And this is the perfect time for a Web3 – pardon me, a Web3, not NFT. I got NFTs on the brain. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to having a Web3 or crypto competitor with all the stuff that's coming out now about Airbnb, I would be interested to be a opponent in the space, to be a competitor in the space. But when you take a look at some of the issues going on surrounding crypto right now, and a lot of it coming down to safety and security, which is some of the major issues going on with people utilizing Airbnbs, the scrutiny of where these locations are being, you know, the, the level of renter you're going to, things like that would be a bigger concern for me than the payment type. But I'm all for competition in this marketplace, especially with a company right now where if you're able to build a sizable competitor, you're finding yourself in a good spot. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's actually kind of nice because specifically the cryptocurrencies they're using are stable coins. So we don't have to worry about like the volatility of like, oh gosh, I paid $1,000 in, in Bitcoin to stay at this place. And now that Bitcoin's worth $4,000. I just got screwed or vice versa uh, with the renter or the host. So they're only using USDC, USDT, and uh, BUSD, which is Binance's version of a stable coin. So another just interesting way, we'll have to see how this develops. It's way too early to tell, but I think that it's, it's pretty exciting. So yeah. Certainly. And we'll move on to my final story of the week, and it deals with 
cannabis. Whoa. Right. A cannabis club is launching in my hometown of New York City, in my home borough of Brooklyn, on the other side of town. No. Not wait, wait, Matt, is it is up. it launching in Williamsburg? Yes, Williamsburg. <laughs> Too many Williamsburgs. Too many Williamsburgs, but Truffles NFT is the name of the platform, uh, the name of the service. They're partnering with Drop Labs, who call themselves a Web3 enabler. And this will be the first ever NFT membership cannabis consumption lounge huh. in New York. There's already an NFT built for this product. The lounge will open up in November. The whitelisting uh, slash presale started in early late june pardon me of this year and they're offering members a unique portfolio of utility and benefits through their rewards plan including first use access to the upcoming truffles delivery service fractionalized ip stakes in strains that have never been released whoa this is continuing the commoditization of cannabis and creating a large industry in the space i'm excited because it's the the decriminalization and the destigmatizing of cannabis in this country is yielding a lot of economic benefit. You see it in Colorado, you see it in Massachusetts. I think you're going to start to see it in New York and New Jersey. Um, I think there's going to be some economic side effects uh, that negatively impact certain communities throughout the throughout major markets, and I think you're going to see a big push for the the commoditization of cannabis and treating it the same way you see tobacco or alcohol or other popular intoxicants. But the way it's set up right now uh, and this service is really interesting to me because it it combines multiple utilities. It combines ownership. It combines uh, club memberships. It, you know, there's there's real proof of concept here. There's real use cases here to showcase the true power of an NFT. Yeah, I'm really interested in anytime you can offer an NFT as fractional ownership of something. And of course, they're they're offering it as fractional ownership of new strains of cannabis, which could potentially be very, very popular and very, very lucrative. That to me is is fascinating. Um, I mean, it's been I agree with you. It's been a long time coming for decriminalization or legalization of cannabis uh, in this country. I can say as a resident of Colorado who still goes many places, you know, Colorado has had its problems with it. Nothing is perfect or, or a utopia, but it's, you know, it's, it's just the time for all this stuff to, uh, to start. And so I think it's interesting to, to put an NFT with it. That, that is a first that I have not heard about, even in Colorado, Washington, or any, some of the, uh, the first adopter states. So we'll definitely have to pay attention to that. I'm just glad that it's in Williamsburg to, to tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, there's just, you know, we can't get enough of uh, Williamsburg on this show. Not, um, a, not at all. <laughs> I, which I've never been to as well. I, Cause I've never been to New York city. I'm interested in how, because all the cannabis stuff in New York city is, is very, very new. I'm hoping that that gets fleshed out and that they've learned from other States that have made mistakes uh, early on, like Colorado or Washington or even California, that they can leapfrog and just not have to go through any of those issues that some of these other states were going um, that were going through in 2014, 2015. There's no need for that. Um, a city as big and robust and with as much creativity and manpower as New York City. I'm hoping that they'll they'll get it right kind of the first time and just really push on through with it. 
Same. For those exact reasons, and only those exact reasons. Nathan, um, before the cops show up, uh, this is the end of the show. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, well, uh, if I'm going to be rushed here, um, I'm at CryptoNathan76 on Twitter. Uh, Matt, you're on Twitter at Matt Ryan Yells, correct? I believe that I got true. that correct. Um, and if I'm going to be looking over my shoulder here, even though I'm thousands of miles away, uh, just because, you know, guilt by association, that sort of thing. Um, uh, um, uh, yeah, Rick. Make sure that you listen to our podcasts, which are NFT 101, hosted by my colleague there, Matt Ryan, mm -hmm. and the Daily Crypto Watch, or also known as Crypto Conversations, hosted by me, Nathan. And, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about NFTs, a lot about crypto news on this show. The place that you're really going to want to go if you're interested in crypto and NFTs is, of course, BitMart, BitMart Exchange. They've got an NFT marketplace that has been out since early June. We've got more altcoins than, gosh, I think almost anywhere, a thousand trading pairs. You can earn, you can stake. So you're going to want to go to bitmart.com, bitmart.com slash NFT or bitmart.com slash earn to learn all about BitMart's product suite. Matt, do we have anything left to discuss here? I know that you need to get out of here. Um, uh, I'm, I'm packing a bag, pal. Uh, it's not like I'm going to be back here in like 20 minutes for, for the, the brain trust. Nope. Oh, yeah. Now. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we will say goodbye to all of our listeners out there. Thank you for tuning into the third episode of BitMart Bites, where we take a little bite out of the headlines and chew on it for a little bit, giving you some of that sweet, sweet opinion and commentary that is lacking in the crypto world. We will try and see you next week for another episode. Until then, this has been The Triple Threat. Don't let him take me alive! Hello to everybody out there in crypto land. Did you enjoy that conversation? I know that I did. It's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects, NFTs, and what is going on in this very unique industry. But now we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way, all right? It's just the way that it is. So I wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of BitMart. BitMart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. BitMart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.